All righty. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Panels on Pages podcast. My name is Dali Borjevic. I am the indie hype man, and I am joined by Jason Primrose of the Lost Children of Andromeda, which I don't I don't even think we had a chance to talk since I've read it. It's so good. Yeah, but yeah, we never had. We never have. I was telling my friend, I was like, uh, I'm being interviewed by someone who's read the book. I'm like so excited. <laughs> We did chat. We like chat. Yeah, yeah. We we, we had a few words in passing for sure. But on um no, there were voice notes on Instagram. Oh, that's true, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we went yeah. back and forth. We went back and forth. It's yeah. a great, it's a great, it was a great book. It's a genuinely great book. It was the first book I had read maybe more than a decade. Really? Genuinely the first book I'd read in more than a decade. How did you find out about it? um it's got to be instagram okay yeah yeah i think it was instagram and then you had the video updates and i thought that was really cool on the campaign because a lot of people names will go unsaid but a lot of people don't even update <laughs> like a lot yeah. of people are just like hey we started hey we finished <laughs> like, yeah. but you were there the whole the whole path and it was it was a really cool it was cool to see and I was yeah. like, oh, well, let me see if I can find his other book. And I had it, I had it saved. I had it ready to go. And then I told you I found it. And you're like, no, please don't read that. Right. I did. I did. Don't read anything before 2050Z. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> before 2021. You can collect it because they're collectibles, but don't read them. Don't read them. <laughs> best work. Um so let, let me ask you first, what you're in Europe now. What what happened there? <laughs> Um, you know, um, hold on one second. Um, I moved here because during the pandemic, I kind of fell in love with LA and I wanted to try creating somewhere else. It's cheaper here, which people don't like, of course, they're like, oh, you moved to Europe. It's like so glamorous. Yes, it culturally, I would say it is, but financially it's beneficial because it costs me like a third of what it costs me to live in LA, to live in Portugal. Wow. <laughs> really one third. I mean, here eggs are still under two euros. You know, I can get, I can go to the store down the street and get like, you know, uh, farm to table or like lo locally grown produce and you know almond milk and all that stuff and I could spend like 30 euros and be good I so, go I go to I just I just went grocery shopping like two days ago and it was like 112 dollars and I was like what 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 did yeah. I just do <laughs> yeah and it's like bread a pack of eggs like some <laughs> some fruit some you know some snacks like whatever it's just it's crazy. So I really felt the squeeze in LA. And at the time I wasn't working. And so I knew that I could probably get further or that my money would go further if I was, if I was here, because I was working, I, I was, I was living off my savings. Um, but when I got here, I decided to go back to work. So I am working full time again. Um, oh, okay. It just helps, you know, but sure. again, that will, you know, one of the things too, you know, I moved to Europe knowing that I wanted to keep writing and I wasn't feeling inspired to write when I was in LA. And I also what couldn't afford to write when I was in LA. So now that I'm here, 
you know, 2050Z was expensive to make. And I paid for most of it with my own like money doing consulting. So now I feel like I'm working in a capacity that I could actually afford to produce another novel that would have the same level of, you know, um, quality and editing and imagery again. And I just didn't feel like that after 2021 during the pandemic. So all in all, I think it's a good, it's a good new place to be because my money goes a lot further here, which means that I can use it for creative, you know, more creatively. That's awesome, man. That's, I mean, it, it, everything is more expensive now. So m making that change, especially if it's helping you write, that's like, that's huge. Cause I, you know, we've all been there. We've all been to a spot where it's like, I can't, what's the next word that's going on the page and we just don't know. So if you yeah. if moving, fix that all the better. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, definitely, there's something about he, here that I think uh, there's a lot of creativity here. I mean, we know, um, at least in some capacity, a lot of the origins of mythology and sculpture and art and stuff come from here. So, you know, when you're looking at 900-year-old architecture, it just kind of imprints in your brain a little bit differently. So I feel like there's a lot of creative energy here that I'm tapping into, which is cool. I, you know what? I even think about that. That's that's so true. Like, I mean, this this country in America is is what 400, 500 years old. Like it's not an old country. And you can look at buildings that have stood longer than this country. That's crazy. Yeah, literally. Absolutely. <laughs> that's so true. That's true. Um, yeah, Portugal is like one of the oldest countries in Europe. That's funny. My wife was actually going to go to Portugal, specifically Lisbon. That's that's the wild thing. Yeah, that's specifically Lisbon. Uh, and she's like, "I'm gonna go there." She's like, "What do you want?" We watched. Uh, there's a show called uh, "Somebody Feed Phil," mm -hmm. and this dude just goes around everywhere, uh, just all over the world, and just tries all the local cuisine, all the local everything. And apparently, Lisbon is like known for its like tinned fish. <laughs> like that's the yeah that's the thing sardines? And I, had, I had just like about a year ago started like basically eating sardines every day yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I hadn't eaten them in years and i was just like man i forgot how good these things are i never ate sardines in the united states i thought they were so weird there's this song that's kind of specific to black people uh that they used to sing on the, on the playground uh, when i went to kinder care and it's like sardines Hey, and pork and beans, both of which I hate. So I never ate them because I associated them with that song. So I get here and I remember the first time I actually had sardines was in Greece, not in Portugal. And my friend was like, oh yeah, let me get a sardine. We should get sardines. I'm like, ew. So they come out and they're gorgeous. Just like yeah. fish. They taste delicious. They're salted with like sea salt. I was like, damn, these are not the sardines I was picturing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Portugal has amazing sardines, both in the can and outside. Uh, see, that's got it's gotta be on the the, the long term on the long term list of places to go for sure. Yeah. I gotta I gotta go there. But let's talk about let's talk about the let's start with the book first. Let's talk about the book first. Um I felt like you left me on a cliffhanger. I, I felt like you left me on a cliffhanger. You, you like set up, there's a lot of setup. And I was like, I, you know, every couple chapters, I'd be like, there's less and less book coming. 
there's less and less book. I feel like we're not going to get through everything here. And then great action scenes. Great action scenes. I will say, uh, having been the first book I'd read in a long time, I noticed there were like three, three that I can think of moments of like something misspelled or something like that didn't make sense. And I thought, like, I genuinely, I was like, damn. Like, for a book this size, for me to only notice three words, like, I have, I, I just finished my uh, my novella, I don't know, like, like year and a half ago at this point. Oh, congratulations. And I was like, I'm done. This is good. It's aces. I've been through this. And I gave it to someone, and they're like, misspelled, wrong word, wrong word, misspelled. And I'm like, damn, you only threw one chapter. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> like you need to calm down. I need to just give me a minute. Let me breathe. Right. Yeah, let right. me let me take the first criticism. Now you're just like stacking it. <laughs> so I, I really I honestly see. thought, and especially because that was my, I think that was my first. I'm like looking at my shelf. Uh, second, it's my second foray into anyone like self publishing. Uh, mm. the first one was a autobiography by a local uh public speaker who used to be like a real criminal in the area, like a Chicago criminal, Chicago area criminal. But he uh, turned his whole life around, became a, a motivational speaker, things like that. Very interesting, fascinating story. But like, that's the first book I ever got that was self-published and yours was the second because I had never gone Kickstarter. I was on Kickstarter for comics. So I hadn't even considered books. I was just like, I don't even know what like a book from Kickstarter would be like, but you had all the art and that's the thing that pulled me in. And you know, like that's, I'm a visual guy, comic books, all that stuff. So I was like, oh, the artwork looks really cool. Like the the tech looks really interesting. I have I have questions about this world. And automatically I was sucked in. And I was like, novel, let's do it. I'll I'll read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got really excited because I do have a lot of crossover with the comic community. And I think a lot of times people come to my page and think it is a comic book when it's actually a novel just because of the visuals. So you know, getting to actually write, write a comic is pretty cool. But I want to talk about these cliffhangers because I'm always curious to know what feels unresolved for the reader because I really tried to tie up as much as I could. While oh, for, I mean, like, you know, the, the like main plot for sure, very resolved. Like all the, the main things, like we found out about his dad, which I thought I was hit the fields, you know, I got, you know, every, we all, I think we, I feel like at this point, everyone has dad stuff, but you know, I got dad stuff. So it's like, I'm like, oh, like the flashbacks. I'm just like, it's like setting them up for success. I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, it's, it's really, it's a really like the, the action scenes, the, the whole the desert. Oh man. Like, it's a great, like, I don't want to give too much away. Cause I really feel like I had such a good time reading it because yeah. it. It, it was just a joy from front to back. Every chapter I was like, I'm like figuring stuff out. I'm like, oh, how's this work? And like, and it's like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. And then boom, boom, boom. And then it's like uh when the one dude was introduced, uh, I forget his name, but the like his like mentor from or the trainer from the from the program. Um I read the description, I was like, this is a white dude. This is a white dude. For for sure it's a white dude. And then it's like two pages later, you had that picture of him. I was like, I knew it was a white dude. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Brandon. I was like, the way he's acting, the way he's talking. Mm, it's a white dude. I love Captain Brand. Captain Brand is such a Captain Brand is interesting too because uh the way I wrote him in Zosma, he really wasn't that big of a character. 
And um, something told me I needed to make him more prominent in 2050Z. There was a lot of things that were moved around when I, as I was, because I had the Andromeda Project and then the Andromeda Project became 2050Z and a rewrite. And then I wrote Zosma. So I had, so I was, the, the problem is that I was publicly working my way through drafts. If we right. were to like call it what it is. The Andromeda Project was a draft that probably needed some kind of developmental editor to come in and say, the story doesn't make sense all over the place or you need to adjust your writing style or whatever. Um, Zosma was a, was a sequel to that, but also a draft in and of itself that needed more workshopping and more work. So with 2050Z, I went through all the steps which included really developing the characters very specifically. So there's certain things that are interesting like about Captain Brandt, which I, I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but I remember when the editor got to that point that's pivotal for Captain Brandt, and she said, you need to have something in the story earlier that the reader can point to that justifies this, 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 this thing happening. And I don't know if you remember uh, when Captain Brand is talking to Alistair in the plane where they're flying to De Los Muertos. Um, and hold on, I'm gonna find it. Cause it's this one line. And it, and it's this, it needs these little things. And I was like, how do you even? It's the breadcrumbs. You... It's the breadcrumbs. Cause somebody was, I was, I was talking, I was talking to somebody and they were, or I was, no, that's where it was. Uh, Sean Eric. Feel like that's his last name he on tiktok he's doing uh i think i tagged you in in his video he does the pod he does like the live podcast and he talks mm -hmm. to authors he was talking to somebody who was a mystery writer and he said oh like if you, if your reader can't uh figure out the the, th the like the thread if there's no chance for the reader to figure out who the person is you're cheating so like it's the breadcrumbs yeah yeah so he says uh one oh so alistair says um I didn't know picking this life would cost me my family. And he said, one way or another, it always does. Sometimes to survive, you got to look out for yourself first. You can't save others if you can't save yourself. And that's like that one thing that he just says. And then Alistair breezes by it. He's like, but that's the thing, I can never go home. You know, my mom was mm -hmm. in and all and that. And I'll be honest with you, when that moment hits, I remember that line. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. that line because I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly so that was so this is the thing about editing that's so important when you're working with a great editor who can see your vision but also see beyond what you put on the pages the emotion that you're trying to convey for the reader and that those kind of um those like little those micro moments right that have an impact and so the interesting part is like getting feedback on something big and then trying to weave back through the text and feel, figure out where's the small place you can you can inject that you know that, that that kind of phrase or situation or choice or body language or whatever. Um, but what I'm curious, like uh, I know this is like your interview, so I'll let you ask the question. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Go for it. You know, it's it's more of a free form discussion, so feel free. Uh, I think you're... You had a freeze? Uh, there you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are you curious about? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you want to know more about? 
want to know i mean the origin of the powers the i like again i don't want to put too much from the yeah. ending but like there's just i feel like there's just so and i, I don't necessarily maybe cliffhanger is the wrong word but like it's more so the like the same thing that like drew me into the book like the seeing the bits and pieces of the, of the world through the the art it's like oh what what does this do like what why why is why is the armor this way like what is the armor like oh why is like oh there's a lot of desert action in the background what's going on oh this the, she's she's throwing stuff around with her mind she's got telekinetics like i have questions so like that's the kind of stuff that brings me in so for me like even when we got the answers and we got pieces and, and i was like i still was like yeah yeah but how like you know yeah. like yeah. give me give me give, zoom out zoom out give me more <laughs> okay okay well then you're gonna really love the origin stories because that, I'm, I'm sure of it i'm sure of it. and it's, so is that what the is that what the uh the arrival is yeah so yeah th this is the this is the movie poster cover but you know we I, i'm sure you saw the cover by kanan white and we have for sure um the cover but the Ian sebastian so i was just uh, just talking about him i was just oh, yeah. talking about kanan white with uh yeah. brian covington because brian yeah, got yeah, him yeah. to do a cover for him as well <laughs> he's, he's epic i mean just incredible i'm actually gonna go live with him on saturday i think at 5 p.m 12 p.m i'm excited to chat with him about his process his journey um but so the origin stories are a zoom out and a kind of a it's before you get to 2050z okay so you really get to learn about all the characters and so one of them will likely lead you into the novel because the novel picks up where the characters are in the present and the origin story from the past. So like the arrival, what I loved about writing this was that in the original prologue, you only hear or see Alistair's perspective. Right. So you don't really know what's happening. You only know what he understands, which isn't very much. In this story, you really get to see what's going on, including like Patrick and all of the things happening around it. So it is a zoom out and it explains a lot more okay. about how everything came to be. So that's what's really fun about the origin stories. The next one I'm writing is for Florence Belladonna. And so we go back. I know everyone loves Florence. I'm like, Florence is gonna be a smash hit. She bad. She bad. Like this yeah. is in every way. In every way, she bad. Super excited. So we go back to Florence. We get to see Florence um, while she's still engaged to the last president of the United States. Mm. We get to see her in her, her high society um, role, and um, and and then we get to see how that leads her to you know being underground and undercover at the Andromeda Project. But uh, but yeah, so that's a really that's been a fun story to write, and it's and it's crazy. It's 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 actually that story is nuts. Um, and I think it'll so be really are, fun. It's gonna be longer than this though, but yeah. Are e is each so is like is the is the arrival is that one like a single issue or is that will that be like a mini series? No, that's just five? Alistair. Single issue, just Alistair. Okay. So that's Alistair's origin story. Yeah. So it will each one be a single issue? Yeah, each one will be a single issue. They may not all be short. They may not like this one's actually 40 pages, so it's pretty long. Sure. So I think honestly Florence's is probably going to be more like a mini graphic novel than a comic issue unless I broke it up into different things but um but yeah then then I'm going to do Lisa Captain Brandt Dorian Bridget and Delamar and I've already specked out like what they'll all be about 
Um, and then after I finish the heroes, I move on to the C20. So then I go to XBA, Shahar, um, Vani and Tranjam, uh, Dr. Jurabi, Ajiro, all of those. Oh, shit. Sorry. I didn't mean to say that. That's all right. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all right. Yeah, we, we usually do we usually do full spoilers so this it's this is new ground for me too yeah yeah, yeah. um and then and then we go to the neutral people like eileen jordan russell asher you know nightcaster um we'll we'll touch on zazma's origin story um uh you know um some of the characters that appear at the end that i won't mention that that's uh, like celine um, and then some of the more cosmic characters that show up later in the series. So that will frame out how we get to 2050Z because there's stuff happening in the Andromeda galaxy. There's stuff happening here. These All these disasters that people are witnessing um, or are part of, and all of that leads them to this mission of trying to save the world um, through one way or another. So, yeah. I, I I'm very excited to read this. This entire series sounds fantastic because this this is the kind of thing that 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 kind of this is the stuff that I was wondering because like like you said the the prologue and like the first couple chapters are all from Alistair's perspective yeah. and and when we went to the next um the next chapters like the next section once he got to the Andromeda project he uh he like different people got spotlighted and you yeah. got you got oh this person's doing this thing this person's going on this mission this and i like that i'm a big fan of that kind of because it's like you're 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 giving me the rich tapestry of this world you're not just because i mean there's definitely a way to tell a story from just one perspective for sure yeah. but then me personally i'm a i'm a who what why where you know how person so yeah. i, I want to see what else is going on who else is going on what missions so yeah. that that I think is what really like kept me fully invested the whole time because like you know you you set you know you set up the fight with with the with the with the lieutenant and then it's like all right we're gonna go to this other story and then I'm like wait, 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 wait. like so I'm I'm still thinking about like well how did that resolve while I'm you know reading this other thing and then that yeah. sets up a really interesting situation but then we go back to that and then it's like oh okay wait, wait but now I'm thinking about like I'm getting this resolution but now I'm thinking about this other thing is that. So like it kept, <laughs> it keeps you engaged. So it's really it's a really exciting way to read a story, honestly, because it it's not just any one person. You know, that's why I think I love like team comic books, like Justice yeah. League, X Men, because there's so many disparate like characters. They all bring different stuff to the table. So it's like you can see a few pages or even a few issues following the perspective of Superman or the perspective of you know Wolverine of a story. But then in the next run, it'll be Gene. Right, you know, right. it'll be Batman. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and I, that's, always, I like that. I did always love that. I always love that, that that you could do that. And you know, I think in books it's harder to do, which is why I was advised, for example, when I was writing early on, to give the chapters the title of the character that we're featuring, mm -hmm. so that people could easily follow. So you know you know, when you're in a certain person's perspective, which is which is normal, that seems like normal. What I love about comics is the visual context you get that reorients you right. in the character's perspective that you don't get in a book. Um, so you have to be told, whereas in a comic, when you're looking at the scenery, you know, seeing the character on the page is like enough to know that, okay, now we're back with this person again. Right. 
So it's like, how do you do that with a book? I was advised, being that I was like an early author, not to try to write a multi-character POV novel. <laughs> I advise people advise strongly against that. And I just didn't care. I had just read Children of Blood and Bone. I felt really confident and um I didn't really know another way. I was like, this is I just I just have to do it like this because Lisa's story, Lisa's story is so important to me. And when I was writing the story when I was younger as a kid, they, both those characters had such rich depth that I told both sides of like what they were going through. And so I don't know. I'm curious too, because when I did the book club, people really didn't like Lisa at all. Um, at the be especially at the beginning. Um, yeah, I, I would say she she doesn't necessarily come off as like likable, but for the way I read it is it really felt like it was a, a survival mechanism. Like there, you know, she's in a very very particular circumstance, so that you know the who she works for and like the power position in play, like just there's a lot going on. And yeah. I think the role she takes is very much uh, like a survival mechanism. And I, having having been a person who's had to rely on survival mechanisms in the past, I, I get it. And I get how that could come off badly. Like I yeah. get how people could kind of like, that could become, that could come off as like cold. Um, so for me, like, I can understand why people would not like her. But yeah. I, I like I don't necessarily say that I don't necessarily think she's like fully excusable for some of her actions. But at the yeah. same time, I'm like, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that the most fun scenes for me to write, and I had a lot of fun with them here too. Like I was gonna show you this this page, which this is a prototype, so the this is not true for what it's gonna actually look like. But there's that scene where Alistair's like in the car with his dad. It's really hard to see this, but it's, he's in the car with his dad and he says that line about storms not being made to hurt us. Just, yeah, yeah. And just visualizing that. And then, so in Alistair's perspective, we only see, because he's below he's below the sight line. Right. So he said, Alistair's, Patrick stood up and looked out at something Alistair couldn't see. And so now we get to see what Patrick was looking at. And it's right. this crazy fucking power plant that his dad's been working at and on since, you know, you know, since they've been trying to stop what, what's coming. So these were moments that it was like really cool to zoom out and give you that thing that you didn't know was there, that you knew was there, but you didn't know what it looked like before. Right. Because I, I did, I definitely felt like the the intentionality of that when I was reading that opening sequence with him not being able to see what happened just like yeah. seeing the general like explosiveness and things like that and and not knowing what and kind of that question hanging over him the whole time through yeah. the like I don't know why this happened yeah. and that's why I think when he finds what he finds uh and starts consuming that information uh i think that's why he latches on so hard because it's like these yeah. like little answers to this long long held question of like right. what happened so right. i think it's 
Yeah, you. It's a great book. <laughs> it's a it's a great book. Thank you. It's a great book. You write you write incredible action sequences too, man. Like the uh, the raid in the lab. Big fan of that. Big fan of that sequence. Big fan which, of that. Which one is that? Uh, in the. I'm so bad at like names. It's like the lab. Uh, when they like the first like their was it the first mission? Oh, when they went to De Los Muertos? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when they're inside, when they're inside and it's the the you know the thing they're looking for, and yeah. it's this and out that it's such a it's like multifaceted outside, inside, like there's a lot going on, but I love it. It's such a great <laughs> Thank you. That was a fun. Well, I rewrote that scene a lot. I rewrote that scene a lot. Yeah, I, re I rewrote that scene a lot. And I remember when I started to look at like visual references of like what something would look like if it had been overgrown for 15 years. And I was trying to guide them through navigating the building and then the original version of the building. And all of that and the ambush and 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 all the and all, all the stuff that happens in that scene or sorry I gave something else away. Um all, all the things that happen. Read the book. It's great. It's still read fun. the book for sure. Um but I yeah that was fun. That was fun. I, I, action scenes were something I researched a lot. Um I about like how to write them and uh you know, really, there's some blow to blow things that happen, but it's really more about the feeling of the character. And um, it's more about the feeling of the character. And also, uh, what was the other thing that I always said? Um, I can't remember what they said. It was like, it's not about blow for blow, like describing what's happening. It's like the feeling of the character. And then... I don't remember what the other thing was, but it's like something about the pacing and just, yeah. So I did a lot of research on that before. And so it had, it had me do some revisions um, in, the, in the action scenes. I think my favorite fight scene, one of my favorites is between Alistair and the Lieutenant. That's well, one of my I mean, ones. that's a mad, that's a, that's a big moment. That's a yeah. big moment. Like, she pushed him hard. <laughs> she pushed him hard. I felt, I felt bad. I felt bad for him. And then real quick, I felt bad for her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I and I that scene was in the Andromeda project. So I've rewritten that scene over and over again, multiple times. Um the other fight scene I really liked uh was the was the last one. The, naturally, yeah. naturally, yeah, yeah. But that's that it's it's it, it that's the kind of thing that I think that's the kind of fight scene, uh, really all of them, honestly. Uh, but that's the kind of fight scene that like sticks with you. Like I always go back to this book that I read in high school. Um, it was like I I didn't read much in high school. Like I started a bunch of books. You know, they'd be like, oh, you you get to read a book for the semester or whatever. But that's when like was it a. a Cliff's Notes and all that stuff was coming out and Spark Notes. Yeah, I mean, oh, like, yeah. I, I BS those book reports. I didn't read most of those books. You know, I started reading Jurassic Park. <laughs> so I didn't, I've never read the book. But, like, I got to, uh, I got my, my mom picked me up one book 
and then I picked up another book some randomly, like at a jewel or whatever, like just on the shelf. I was like, this looks cool. Turns out I bought the like eighth or ninth book in a series of Tom Clancy novels. I had okay. no clue. So like the first, I don't know, 10 chapters are just people like talking to each other about stuff that's happened, presumably in the other seven or eight books that I have no clue about. So like I was just dead bored the whole time. And then it like, I just I put it down for like months, maybe, maybe even years. And but when I picked it back up again, I was like, let me, let me like crank this through. I'm not gonna re reread the beginning because I know I still don't like I none of it essentially matters. Like I know this dude's on a mission. I'm gonna go. And it was like the next chapter, this massive explosion happens and you're bought in, right? You're immediately bought in, which is what I think the the downtown situation with Alistair in, right? When you when with when, when he's when he stops that thing, when he stops that thing, yeah. you're like, oh, oh, okay. And now we're like, okay, ramifications. We know these, uh, like we already know little pieces. So now we, now there's a sense of tension and this, and right there, you're just like, let's go. Like, and that book, the, the one I read in, in, uh, in high school ends with this incredible sequence. Like, I'm like, somebody needs to make a movie out of this, but I'm like, I don't need the other eight movies. Just figure out a way to use this sequence. Yeah. They end up in like the the alps and the he, this dude's getting chased by a helicopter somehow i don't remember how but he has like a bucket of water or something turns around and throws the bucket of water on the on the helicopter in the, at the top of the alps so it just freezes over the the windshield of this helicopter and now this dude can't maneuver because it's the alps and he doesn't know where he's going and i'm like oh my god and like crashes massive explosion and i'm like this is the kind of thing i'm like i don't even know how that book ended but i know that sequence and it's like the action sequence like a good action sequence will stick with you like seriously that. stick with you and that's why you you hit that several times throughout the book and i think that's massively important like obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of exposition a lot of story because there's a lot going on and a lot that you need to learn about the characters it is all uh it's all like punctuated all of the things you're learning all of the little all of the pieces of information all of the new dynamics it's all punctuated by action and i think that's what keeps you going that's what keeps you like really invested in the whole thing because you're just like you get a little spike of adrenaline you're like all right let's go which like feeds you into the next little bit of exposition then it's like oh fight sequence and then it's like spike again and it just keeps you going like you you created a really good roller coaster throughout the entire thing which is uh, it, it's rare i'll be honest with you <laughs> I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you know, I actually wrote the entire first draft of the next novel. <laughs> and I haven't touched it in like a year and a half. But oh. something that will happen is I'll be so in, like, especially like around 2021, like Kickstarter time, I was already, the the rest of the story was already falling out of me. And I was like, because there's so much that needs to happen. There's so much that I know will happen kind of to kind of, but, but, you know, with, with second stories, you got to worry about bridging between two stories. So all the action, all the character development, everything, there needs to be something very specific. Um, but I wrote the whole draft and man, that it is crazy. It's really crazy, but I know it needs to be polished. And at this point, again, now that I'm working again, I feel like I could hand it to somebody and say, Okay, I need you to help me fix this so I can move down the pipeline of publishing another another book. Um, because if I time it well enough, right, 
I'm writing revisions, I'm getting editing done. And if, for example, I'm like, okay, I finished this comic book script. Now I'm gonna pass it off to the artist. Now they're working on their part. Okay, now I'm gonna go here and I'm gonna write the revisions on the drafts that I've just gotten from this editor. And then by the time I get, now I send that off to an editor. Okay, now I'm gonna write the next comic script. And then, you know, now the first comic is done. Okay, now we hand that to the artist. Okay, now I've got revisions back. So I gotta come up with like a process for working through all of the creative pieces. But um, but you're making me excited to like go back to that draft. <laughs> like, hmm, what's going on in here? You know, it's you know it's funny. Like you said, process, and this this is like the universe is has been feeding me this notion of like uh, systems and processes for months now. Uh, mm. I was I was telling my friend, I'm like, you know, I have these all this stuff I want to do, like all these projects, and I have bunch of stuff I need to do for my my other channel my comic stuff my like podcast like I've got a bunch of stuff but I just I'm always getting distracted and she's like hey why don't you like plan out your whole day and I was like oh that's an interesting way like, like you know plan out like every hour I was like that's interesting and I was like letting that marinate the next day I watched this training at work and this dude is like systems and processes systems and processes it's a whole it's a whole thing he keeps repeating it uh because he's a sales guy he's like you got to figure out you got to identify how you're going to sell, what you're going to do, and what you're going to do to get the achieve, you know, like to, to hit the goals that you're setting for yourself, not just like, I'm going to sell a hundred of these, you know? So he's like, you got to figure out how you're going to do, what you're going to do to get there, et cetera. He's like, systems and processes. And then I was like, okay, like that kind of like reinforces the like organize. And then I'm watching something on YouTube about like how to grow YouTube channels. And they're like, oh yeah. So we built a lot of systems and processes. And I was like, I hear you. Okay. I can't, I'm listening now. I'm listening. <laughs> Yeah, but see, this is the thing. Like, creative people don't always work like that. Facts. <laughs> I personally do not plan out my day. Like, I wake up and I'm like, "What do I feel like dealing with today?" It's yeah, I, I can't. I could, I could never do the full calendar. I, I, it would just be. It would feel like too much pressure. Yeah, like, and it's a lot. There are people that are skilled at that. There are people that are good at project management. There are people that are good at organization. There are people that are good at like business function that thrive as people like salespeople and and but. If you're creative, you know, you kind of want to have someone like that on your team or like as your co-founder that can help keep everything in line. But that's the challenge, I think, of building alone or on your own is that uh, is that you're responsible for all of it. And whether or not you have the capacity or have the knowledge to do it or not, it doesn't mean it doesn't need to get done. So, you know, for me, my my work history is in somewhat of project management, brand management, where I've had to do things like create, you know, create a brief for photo shoots, um, social calendars for social, copywriting, email calendars, campaign calendars for web changes, and what pictures are going to go where, and what copy is going to go where, and, and during what week, and how is that story being told across all of the different things. And so I kind of had to learn that, even though it's not natural to me. Right. Now, I don't apply that level of rigor to my business, uh, to, to the creativity I'm doing, because there's no reason, because it's, right. it's me. Um, but I definitely feel that I can pull in those certain those skills like when necessary. Like, for example, with Kickstarter, when I decided I was going to go live with a bunch of people, 
set up a spreadsheet. I put down all the dates, all the times, and I started to fill in who could do what when. And then I sent out calendar invites for every person so that we would both know when we would jump on, where we would show up. So that was me like putting on my organization hat rather than trying to wing it and like do all this stuff because I know I wouldn't be able to keep track of it all. So that to me is like an example. Whereas if I wasn't in this crowdfunding phase and I wanted to go live with people every week, I'd probably just go live with people every week and I wouldn't I wouldn't be like sending them invitations and stuff. So like, oh, we're going to go live next Monday, like at 8 p.m. Eastern. Right. I'll message you to remind you, you know? So, but I felt like because of the job and all this other stuff I'm managing, I needed that structure so I could just eyeball who's coming on when and all of that. So I think figure out your own way to structure. You know, you, you said you finished your novella. I don't know if you published it or if you're planning to publish it. Uh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but that process in and of itself is something to be learned. Um, oh, I don't, are, do you do YouTube shorts, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I was going to say those are like a gold mine. But if you're, if you're looking for like editing, I go to this place called Reedsy. Reedsy. Okay. Reedsy. I, so I, I, I ran it through an editor. I, so, <laughs> It's it's a funny story because I was like, hey, my friend has been a writer for a long time. She has a a like a um like a literature degree. Like she has a you know words degree, and she's yeah. she's and she's a copywriter. And I'm like, she's gonna be able to to knock this out for me. And she comes over and we sit down. It's not a long novella. I mean, it's it's we spent one evening, seven hours of going through. And okay. no less than three times during that evening, she was like, I just want to rewrite this whole fucking thing so I can show you how, to, how I would write it. And I was like, that's not, that's not, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> that's not, we're not, you're not writing this. This is, this is it's gotta be for my voice. Just yeah. like, we just need to look at it. And so she asked like important questions, you know, and I got to kind of think about, okay, why is, why is certain moments, why are certain moments existing? Why are they where they are? And she challenged me on my one I had this one character and I was like, this is my pure character. This is a good person in this universe where there aren't any. This mm. is the one person who's just a tiny ray of light. And she's like, right, but you said there's no good people in this world. And I was like, damn you. <laughs> and she's like, if if she's just going to be a momentary thing, like, because she's, she, she, she's a character who my my dude meets on the plane they just, it's like a chit chat just like a moment of like to show that this guy like makes up these personalities and identities on a whim like as he as he fucking just goes because he's a you know espionage kind of guy and uh she's like if it's that she doesn't need a name we don't need to know her backstory he sits down starts talking to his neighbor and you move on and i was like no, no no but i like really like the interaction i really like it she's like either bring her back for something later like she needs to progress the story if she's a named character she needs to progress the story and i was like all right and then then we got into the like there are no good people so then i was like fine fine and then i created this whole new thing that wasn't in the book before and uh it it kind of worked out and i and it what it gave me later was the first time even after being like incarcerated 
and like put away for five months and like all this stuff. He was, he, this dude stayed in control. Was like always like, there's even a moment where he's like, any, like me, you, anybody else would have knocked out the dude he was talking to, knocked him on his ass. And this dude's like, chill. Like you could tell he's mad, but he's holding it back. Yeah. And then when, when, she, when she shows back up, we have the first time that he's ever shook. The first time where he's like, wait, what? Like, he just didn't know what to do with the information. Oh, and I was wow. like, that's kind of a good moment. That's kind of a, like, yeah. he's not perfect. He's not, you know, he's yeah. got a little, he, he, something Something could possibly get to him. And, uh, yeah. and that wouldn't have happened if she hadn't challenged me. So, like, the editing has process has been very interesting. Uh, so I took it through that, and then I went to... I went to Fiverr. Uh, I found an editor. Editors cost money. I mean, you know, but I didn't know. But editors cost money, like real people money. Yeah, like, like real grown-up dollars. Word, and I was like, dang. For everyone listening, editors charge per word. If you're doing developmental editing, it can be it's astronomical because this is like the foundation of your book. Right. Copy to be a little bit more affordable and proofreading 0.03 cents per word or something like that but yeah three cents a word or something like that but yeah i mean i won't even tell you how much my editing cost for 20 years. <laughs> it was it was it, yeah yeah so it, it's gone through i'm i'm in uh i'm in some beta reading i've gotten some very interesting feedback mm -hmm. and i've liked all of the different feedback i've gotten everyone's given me something different and i wasn't expecting that at all my wife was the only one out of everyone who's read the book. My wife was the only one to to mention there's a scene where the main character and uh, what turned into a romance, which I wasn't intending to write, but <laughs> their romantic interest um, are drinking and like doing the expo dump, right? They're drinking, they're discussing this, this information that uh, they sought out for him. And she's like, they can't drink that much. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, they're just, they're chilling. It's like, it's not even that. Like, they drink like 12 drinks. No, <laughs> no, no, like, there's no sexy time after this. Like, they're, they're knocked out. They're, they're yeah. near death. I'm like, what are you talking? Well, she works in like, uh, like, uh, a brewery. So she's like very top of mind about alcohol. Right, she's right. like, you have them pour full shots of whiskey a like a dozen times and i was like no it's like it's like four shots max four shots she's like no no no. full pours of a low ball are not shots and i was like yeah i definitely did say a low ball glass <laughs> and then i was Which thinking about it i was like yeah i was like i was like yeah i really didn't think about that i was just like feeling the scene i was like they pour another one it's a little revelation it's the little pause in the the expo and I was yeah. like, you know, oh, just like piece of information. It's a little wild. Slams the drink, hands him another one. And I was like, yeah, if you do the math on that, they're drunk as fuck when this is done. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's fun. <laughs> I, I was like, that's a fair point. It. That's a fair point. So like giving, like getting different perspectives has been very, very interesting. So I think once I, once I culminate all these changes and, and, and I think that'll be finally ready for, for ARC. I'm uh I I was really inspired by your book to do chapter art, uh and I've mm -hmm. just uh finally started talking to some artists, and 
a friend of mine was like, "Hey, what you should, you know, if you want to create some continuity between your book and your and your comic, because this is like in the same universe, mm-hmm. this is like a prequel, basically, you should use the same artist." And I was like, "Damn, you're so right." I'm like, "That is a perfect point," because that that like the person who reads the reads the novella picks up the book and the comic, they'll be like, "Oh, it's the same art. It's the, like the same vibe." And I was like, that's a really great point. So I, I just started having a conversation. It's like, just the art, we're going to be looking at a grand. And that's before I even touch printing. That's before I even touch shipping. A grand for just art. And I'm like, which is, I'm like, it's not an unreasonable price at all. Like it's, you know, it's six pieces. It's like, you know, it's, it's not a ton of art, but art is art. Art is valuable. Yeah. So, but it's just, um, it, it's gotten to a point where I'm like, I kind of want to just put out a super limited straight paperback words only no chapter art make my own cover like the cheapest stock paper like almost like an old school pulp novel mm. like something like i want people to like carry it around pocket it i want people to take notes in it like yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I see and uh and then work up to like when i do the collection of the comic book and all that stuff include it chronological order of course because that's the only way i do things um so include the novella in the like eventual hardcover collection of everything with the chapter art from the same artist and i was like that might be the way to go because i i can pay for printing because i did the math and like the cheapest it's about 500 bucks for 250 copies and i was like i would only get like 250 copies that's a lot of copies i would not recommend buying that many copies Oh, I'm, I'm gonna take him to shows. I'm gonna take him to conventions. I'm, I'm gonna oh, hit okay. conventions with. Him. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. T- I want. I want to have some stock. <laughs> oh God, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Um, <laughs> something about simplicity. I mean, I I would say if you're gonna spring for anything, I would spring for a cover because the cover is the reason anyone's gonna buy anything. Like when you're setting up your display, like the interior art was an extra thing for me. But here's the thing that happened. I started creating the artwork. For Lost Children of Andromeda before I had finished the book. Oh. Artwork was only for social media. So I made it so that I could build an audience around the concept of the book coming to life sure. using the art. And then someone said, Why don't you put the art in the book? So mm. that's how the art came about. I did not, I did not originally intend to have the art be part of the novel. I did used to draw art in the novels that I wrote as a kid, but I didn't realize that connection until way after I was looking at, you know, old pictures of things. And I I don't have the original writings anymore, but I was remembering my writing journey. I was like, oh yeah, I used to draw pictures like at the ends of the chapters, you know, whenever. So it makes sense that it goes there, but no, originally I commissioned artists so that I would have content for social media. And I used every element of it, right? So it's the sketch, the choices of the sketches, it's the the line version and then the color version. And then that was how I was like populating my feed on Instagram before I before I published any of the books, the Andromeda Project, Zosma 2050Z. But if, you know, and if I went to a publisher, they probably would have told me to fuck off and that they weren't going to, pay for any art so right that was the personal choice but i'd say you know the cover is important the art is a, is an extra for that that reader but i think you want them to really anchor to the story first and foremost and so releasing later of an art version 
just is like a new like a new thing um but like you know you said, it's a collectible <laughs> collectible it took me years to pay for the art so it probably extended my publishing time by a considerable amount because I could only afford a certain number of artworks every month, which was like two. Right. And so I started doing artworks for 2050Z in 2018. Wow. Because I had finished the draft then and I didn't publish it until 2021. So it Dang. took me a really long time to pay for that book. And that's art editing. I'm like bouncing back and forth. Okay, what can I afford this month? What can I afford this month? So it was a dancing game throughout that whole time to produce that. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a everything costs money. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why I'm, I've been sitting on a on a script for a comic book for six years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like because art costs much money. More affordable. Comics are much more affordable. I mean, you well, know, for you printing, could... sure. Certainly for printing, but like the artwork. I I I envy I envy the 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 writer artist i envy a jordan p jackson who can right. knock out his own his own artwork and his own story because yeah. i i decided years ago that my work was not production quality so mm -hmm. i draw but i draw for fun i draw just to kind of keep my skill up and just to process like sometimes you know i, I do a there's an app called sketch a sketch of the day and they just give you a word and mm -hmm. Sometimes that's a very plain thing that happens. You know, I'll, you know, today was today was map, you know. So I just drew like a little in map indicator, some some line work. It was very simple. But other days, like there was one that was swift, and I ended up drawing the character Swift from um from Authority, which um, I had never drawn her. <laughs> like I'd never drawn yeah. her. I'd never thought about drawing her. But that was the first thing that came to mind, and I was like, yeah, I really should draw her. And then that's what I yeah. I, I don't think I did. That might be the third character, the third character I've ever drawn with wings. Like, yeah. yeah. So I like, mean, it, it's like giving yourself time too. I mean, if you want to make a comic book and it'll take you a year because you're, you can only afford a certain number of pages a month, I'd say to start, you know, I mean, get the, get the scripts, you know, reviewed and edited and polished, but, you know, like I said, it took me three years to bring a book to life because I was doing the whole art thing. And if you have a vision for your story, for example, this the, with, the, with the chapter art, you might feel so accomplished about it, knowing that even if you did $100 for 10 months to pay for the chapter art, that at the end you could have a book with chapter art with like a dope cover that you right. would just, yes, I'm going to you know, I'm going to Comic-Con and, and whenever I hold 2050Z, it's like my baby. I know that I put everything into it and people look at the cover and they double take and they walk up to the booth to hear more, you know, it's like, it reminds me that I'm like really glad I took my time and I'm really glad I invested in what I wanted the, what I wanted the final product to see because it's possible. It's just, it may not happen as fast as I want it to or as fast as I think it should, but I'll make it happen because it's me and you'll make it happen because it's you. It's just maybe the timing is a little bit longer because of whatever um, whatever constraints there are financially. And then there's also crowdfunding, which, right. you know, $1,000 to cover the art uh, or maybe two to cover the art and then maybe like a digital copy of the book or something. But um, 
but yeah, so it's it's those types of things, I think, um, things to consider when you're deciding like what to do. You've already waited this long. Like, what's right. it, you know, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I thought I was done when I finished the book at was it like early last year, I think it was. Yeah. I yeah. finished it. I put, you know, put the end. Uh was the end question mark. <laughs> and uh yeah. I was like, man, it's like there's like room in here. <laughs> like there's all this room. It's not in here no more. <laughs> like there's all this other stuff going on. Literally the next day I was driving and uh like I started connecting dots for other stories. And I was like, oh man, I gotta hit record. I don't want to forget none of this stuff. Uh, so, voice notes are the best. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Voice yeah. Notes. I got a massive voice note from that day because I was just like, I think I was, I don't even know, I don't remember where I was going, but it was like a half hour drive. I have a half hour, yeah. <laughs> a half hour recording. Do you have AI to like tra transcribe? Because I know a good app that you can use to transcribe it. Because see, what I'll do is I'll tell the story on the voice note and then I'll have Otter AI transcribe it and then I'll copy and paste it and I'll polish it up. Okay. You can do, you can do a lot of writing that way. If you I, so I, I did a, my, my, my editorial for the Catalyst Magazine for this month and for last month came out of me just dictating into Google Docs for like 15 minutes. Oh wow. And I came out with like three pages and I was like, I can't do, this can't be one editorial. This can't, I kind of diverged. I kind of like went off on a, a topic. I'm like, all right, let me, let me like clean this up, separate it out. We, we'll do, we'll get two out of this. Uh, but like, I, I right, right, at right, that right, moment, right. I was like, this was like no time. And I got so much on page. Like, I need to dictate more. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. It was opening. I remember I wrote a whole short story that way. It was, it was, um, so this, this guy did a paint, he did like a, an art portrait with, uh, Zendaya, um, oh, who did How to Get Away with Murder, um, Viola Davis, and oh, that's right. I want to say Kerry Washington or Viola someone Davis like is all time. Yeah. So there was this picture of them the three of them that went viral, so viral that she reposted it. And I reached out to the artist and I said, can I use this as a book cover for a short story? And he said, yeah, sure, You, if you want to go ahead. Now, um, we still have to talk about, because I want to actually publish it and give him credit and give him royal like money, like split it and everything. But the story was a reimagine of the story of Hecate and the story of Persephone and Hades. So I basically rewrote, I wrote this reimagined uh, short story about Persephone, but it's in, it's set in the future. Okay. And so it's Persephone, Demeter, Hecate, Zeus, Hades, and it's, and it's the whole story about like Zeus kind of turning a blind eye to Persephone being kidnapped and everything. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I dictated that whole story and then um and then I used Otter AI to transcribe it and then I polished the story up from the transcription. I haven't finished it, but I got to the part where um Demeter we we're opening where Demeter's looking for her daughter and then we open to her daughter 
with like just like being in the underworld so but again it's like it's futurism so it's kind of set in a technological world well it's it's actually set okay technically it's set after the apocalypse so where you know how the days count down mm-hmm. story now we're counting back up and we I'm find sorry. it's set in the same store. It's set in the same universe. Same universe. Now we're counting back up, and the we find out like what the gods gods represent in this universe. Mm, mm, now you got me. So mm. this is the story, and I was like so excited. So so it's set in the future where like the people who are still on Earth are rebuilding. Okay. Everything is all out of whack, you know, you know, so you know how the story of this, this story is about the seasons, how the seasons came to be. Right. Um, so it's kind of about the return of seasons to this new mm. earth. Okay. Okay. Um, woven in with the mythology. Um, so yeah. Now so you're, like, you're bringing him, you're bringing him mythology into this now. So it you, was, you just it, first of all, you just opened yourself up to an entirely new audience. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh, you thought this was sci-fi? Come see yeah. me. Come see me. It's it's every and I love Greek mythology, so I'm like very excited about this story. That's but like, awesome. Done. I mean, I haven't touched it in in a year or so, and it, I have a draft of it. Um, but you know, it's just like you said. I have all these ideas, and I'm like bouncing around, and I'm like, what do I make now, and then, and when, and It'll come well, that's out how I ended up with the novella, right? That's I, I was really I wanted to make that comic book, and I wanted to make that comic book, and then you know I'm on TikTok and I see everybody making their comics, and yeah. then I see Danny J. Quick talking about before there was an Ace Blade comic, there was an Ace Blade novel, and then mm-hmm. what he do is he's just converting those chapters into arcs of the comic, and I was like, damn! And then I I talked to, um, mm, I wonder oh, what's his name. I forgot his name, but he he uh, JP Jackson does um does the art for his comic, which is a graphic novel adaptation of the novels that he already put out. Yeah. So I'm like, I can write a novel, but I was like, I don't want to write that story because that story, the 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 first arc of that comic so heavily, so heavily de- like uh depends on the visuals. Mm-hmm. And like, could I describe it? Yes. Seeing those moments, I feel like there's not there's nothing going to be comparable. Yeah. So I was like, but like I have all these ideas about prequels and like these other stories that like explain people's but like origins, you know, like the stuff that explains who people are, why people are, where you know where everybody was. Um, and then I was like, but and and I really wanted to tell this story that predates kind of everything, mm-hmm. and sort of is the expo dump the like this is what this whole thing is in the context of this universe Mm -hmm. and i didn't want to i didn't want to bury that in the comic i didn't want to be like i don't i look i don't have the luxury of 50 years of x-men comics where you could just mention something and people like oh yeah that happened in issue 12 (laughs) like you know so i'm gonna have a six issue arc they're short issues as well i mean you might might as well just call them chapters you know they're 10 pages a piece so the first arc of the comic is a 65 page 
graphic novel. Like, really, that's what it's going to be, you know? So I was like, well, I can have this idea where, you know, uh, a spook is trying to figure out what this organization is. And that's that's all I had. And I and I freeform wrote the whole damn thing in the magazine because I was like, that was kind of like when everything culminated. I think actually right around that, because I think I featured you in issue two, okay. something like that. Um, but like that, it all kind of culminated at the same time, uh, like early 2020 um, after George Floyd and everything, I like kind of didn't know what to do with, I feel like most people didn't. Um, and I was like, well, what can I do like with what I know and what I can do and what my, like what I have access to? So I started doing um what did I call it? Um I forgot what I called it, <laughs> but I I I did like a, a black creator spotlight and mm-hmm. on, on my Instagram. Like I didn't have a huge following, but I'm like, I follow so many cool people, and then I was starting to find new people who I hadn't heard about, and I was like. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put all this together. I'm just gonna put these. I'm like gonna make these posts, and because if I don't know, and I felt at that time that I was like really in the indie comic scene, and mm-hmm. if I didn't know about some of these people, I was like a lot of people don't know. So right. I was like, I'm gonna I'm just gonna boost th- those voices, and that's how I found a bunch of people. And I was like, how do I do this on a bigger scale, and how do I get this to people directly? Because it's like my like I'm not I'm not dancing out here. You know, I'm not showing my ass off for Instagram to get more followers. So, like, you know, uh, how do I how do I get you know more people involved? And I was like, oh, I can do this this magazine, mm. and that's that's where it all kind of started. And I I was like, well, this could also be an excuse for me to write. Like, I can. There's a deadline, right? I'm going to say this is going to be a quarterly magazine. All right. Well, by by that by the beginning of the quarter, I need to put this magazine out. So. I need I need original content in it. I gotta write. It was kind of a way for like force myself to write. So I freeform wrote this whole novella through the magazine. So like the first six seven chapters, uh, the, or the first uh, six seven issues, um, I put put the whole novella out. And the first like the first chapter, I went back and forth with my friend, and we like edited it. And the second chapter, we edited, and she was busy. So like third chapter, we I like I went through it put it out she was busy for and then like by the end it was so unedited (laughs) Um, but it's one of the it's i i think it's one of those coolest things because that version of the story no longer exists right and i think the people who read it through the magazine and the people who like you know even if they redownload the magazine now they will have a version of that story that will never ever be published no one will ever read it outside of the context of catalyst magazine because i've already edited it it's already structured differently and I added an epilogue that didn't even exist originally. Yeah. And yeah. There's, so there's so much more to it. Like you said, the the, the editing process is huge. <laughs> it's, it's a massive part of, of making a book. But like, yeah, that, that's how I ended up with this. This is a prequel. <laughs> this is a prequel. And I was like, ah, how do I expo dump without expo dumping? And it just all turned into this dude goes to Brazil, goes to a few other places, there's a whole lot going on. A romance happened that I wasn't planning for. Like, I had no interest in writing a note romance. I, I was like, he's gonna go, and he and I, I had no interest in writing a non-binary character. Like, it wasn't in the plans. And yeah, yeah. but then by the end of I think chapter three 
I realized that the informant he was talking about, I had not gendered them in the story yet. Mm. It, you know, everyone that brought them up said they. And I was like, and I was like, maybe they're not binary. <laughs> I like, yeah, yeah, I like. I was like, like, I was like, it doesn't have to be anything. Like, it just is what it is. Yeah, and it yeah, turns yeah. out they're a spook that left the agency because they got sick of playing playing the tough chick and they decided to say i'm just gonna go be myself in a different place and this is set in 2011 which is when they uh when they abandoned uh don't ask don't tell so it was like they they even make a mention of like hey all this shit that i went through to like give myself some peace yeah now if i was back back there it'd be fine (laughs) they just they just put the final provisions through (laughs) 2011 that's I always struggled with writing from in the past I I actually was always worried that by the time this got made into something else or whatever that we would already be in the years that we were talking about oh yeah yeah bad or good thing but yeah I feel I feel you on that because there was something I I was watching they were talking about a movie and it was like set in the far off distant future of 2019. And I was like, oof, when was that the distant future? Right. <laughs> when was 2019 the distant future? Jeez. But it was the same time, you know, the same thing like with uh, Terminator 2. You know, they were like, the world ends in 1997. And I was like, hmm. you know, 1997 came and went. The world was here. Remember when 2012 came out? Oh, my God, 2012. 2012 i was I, the, the amount of people that were so convinced uh, to me felt like look if it ends i i j- just so they shut up I'd, I'd rather they just be right <laughs> just call that, was it. that was a big thing i really love disaster movies and so one thing i do like about comics as a medium i mean you can tell of disaster movies because i'm like when you go to De Los Muertos and you Alistair is describe your your Alistair is seeing all that devastation. Yep. And uh and uh Man's Lost Lands and like places like that where you're like, holy shit, like what the fuck happened here? Um that feels like I, it could be an origin story, I'm just saying. And what so what I like about the comics is being able to see that happen. So like for example, you know, in the prologue we get we basically get this uh hint that Cumberland Falls is being threatened and we don't really know what happens to the city well in the book in the comic you get to see what happens to the town mm. um which is not which you don't realize that what what is all going on at the same time sure but so it's cool to kind of experience like Oh, after, you know, after that thing happens with Alistair in the car and, you know, where he doesn't understand, like, why this this rattling is so loud and why this thing is so close and why everything is so bright. Well, that thing goes on, continues on. It doesn't stop. Mm, okay. To see, like, what happens after... And then we come back to that moment again in the story with Alistair. So okay. that, that's what I loved about comic. Also, it's in the present tense, not the past, but 
that was something I really loved about the comic format was being able to give you something, you know, like kind of holy shit style. But yeah. Oh my God, this was so fun. I I, I can't I can't wait for this book. Uh the Kickstarter wall well actually I wanted to ask, why Zoop over Kickstarter? Um Zoop's gonna help a lot. Like I said, I'm in Europe. They're gonna do all the production. They're gonna do the fulfillment. Oh wow. I'm taking a higher cut, but I, I you know, I need the help. I, I can't um I can't physically figure all those things out. Sure. I've produced tons of comics. I've never produced a comic before. So I really was driven to use them because I knew that they would help me produce a like a high quality product and make sure it got to everybody. So that's um that's why cool. I, I didn't realize that they produce the comics. Yeah. Well that well it depends on the 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 type of arrangement you have with them, but that's sure the big selling points of using them is number one that they're comic specific and number two that they help creators on the campaign level in all capacities. So whether it's like outreach to people to get on shows and things like that, um, but also the back end managing the pledges, the that's really cool money at the end if someone's card declines like they do all of that stuff oh wow um, get pricing and everything so yeah that's yeah. super cool that's like what you you know what you brought up before you know you, you certain things you want to have somebody on your team handle it exactly i just i can't um yeah i just can't do everything anymore so it's helpful to have them that's awesome man that's 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 fantastic what so is that, did I count five origin stories? No, way more. I mean, there's going to be like 20 or more, but uh, in this first I run... 20! <laughs> in this first run, there's seven. So we're looking at all the origin stories from the members of the Andromeda Project. So Florence, Alistair, Captain Brandt, Dorian, Bridget, and Nicholas Delamar are the seven that we see in the first time. So like Florence's is back in 2014, Oh, but you know what? So remember the last Kickstarter? I don't know if you got the character cards. Remember the character cards that I that um, we had these character cards. They were physical no. cards. And on all of the cards, there was a last scene day. Mm. Day they were last seen before the countdown. So Alistair's was not technically 2040, even though it should have been. It was day 215 because that's when he stops the thing and then disappears. So, but like Bridget was like day 426. Uh, Lisa was day 426. So there were, and then Florence was 2051 or was 2050 or something like that. Um, some people were like 2048. So everyone's origin story uh, correlates to the date they were last seen. Captain Brant's is 2035. So we're actually gonna witness through Captain Brant's perspective the earthquake that destroys Los Angeles. Ooh. So like all the stories, um, Dorian's was interesting because his date was in the future, 2135, which was a hundred years after the earthquake in Los Angeles. So there's these stories that we're going to get to see that kind of weave into each other or feature other characters and they all correlate to the last time that character was seen in the sync system 
before the story starts. Interesting. So that's where the idea came from. Um, and then they disappear because they go off grid and then they show up again in the, in the, in the novel. That's awesome. That see, like, I like that. That's the kind of like world building chess mastery that I love. I love that shit so much. The like, the, how, like literally putting the pieces in play, like, oh, you read this book. Yeah. This is how everyone got to that moment. Mm, like mm-hmm. i love that i love that so much oh man i'm excited you told me there's a draft of book two ah I'm so excited well i'm already backing i'm already backing of course uh i'm presuming you're gonna collect if i was to if i was to do it i would collect the origins of the andromeda project that's a little little title for the for the trade paperback that that i will be buying <laughs> <laughs> and the origin of <laughs> the C20, like I think, you know. Or yeah. or just an omnibus. The, just the like- children of Andromeda origins. 20 books in one yeah. massive collection. Z origins. I could see that being Lost Children of Andromeda or yeah, I could see that being its own title. Yeah, I I I wanted to title each of the books. But as a compilation, it it would probably be like a, it would probably be like themed, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, heroes, villains, the in betweens. Um, yeah, I'm I like excited. it. I like it. I like it. I'm tonight, I'm ex- I'm so fired up. I'm excited. I'm gonna write tonight. Awesome. Um, Love to hear yeah. that. I'm gonna write uh, more on Florence's origin story because I'm really ready to start. I'm ready, ready to finish that. And then start working on the comic book adaptation of that, the script and everything. So that's going to take me a little bit of time, but yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Love to hear it. Let's give the people the address. Is it just zoop.gg slash the arrival? Zoop.gg backslash C. C. Backslash the arrival. Yeah. Backslash the arrival. Okay. Yeah. All right. And we'll of course have that noted in the description and the episode notes. Uh, Jason, it's been a pleasure catching up. I I'm so psyched for this new project. I'm so psyched. There's there's a there's a draft for another book. <laughs> your 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 books are going to be the only ones I'm going to be reading physically for the rest of time. I think I've, I mean everything's been audiobook or or uh, Kindle, but I'm like I just like every time I look at it, get a light, nice little trip back through memory lane. It's right there. <laughs> That's why I got to keep up the quality. I'm like, these are collectible items. Like on the shelf, it's got to be so beautiful. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, you're making me excited to write books again, which is, <laughs> which is funny. Um, Cause yeah, now I'm like, oh, I want to go back and now I want to go back to the draft and like polish it up and then send it to an editor. And yeah, it just makes me want to get through. It just makes me want to go back into the process, which is good. That's why it's nice to share your work and put it out there because you do get a lot of reinforcement. For sure, for sure. All right, well, that's going to be it for this one. Why don't you give 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 us the socials? Where can people find you? Where can people connect with you to check out the Lost Children of Andromeda universe of books and comics now? Yes, Lost Children of Andromeda at Lost Children of Andromeda. 
works for Instagram, TikTok. I'm still working on my TikTok presence, but yes. Um, and there's a Facebook page, I'll show you Andromeda. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. I'm also very encouraged by you talking about how active I was in the last campaign. So I want to work on my videos every day because that was one thing that I really enjoyed, but this time I haven't been. I'll be honest with you. I don't read nobody's updates, but every time yours came through, I was like, this is a video. I don't have to read nothing. This is perfect. Yeah, yeah. The video updates, which I can't do with with, which is I can't do with Zoom. But you so. can do TikToks. I can do TikToks, and I can. Do <laughs> I promise I will put one up tonight. Thank you for the motivation too. I hit up hit up Sean. Do do the uh, between the pages podcast. It's a, it's a live. It's a thirty minutes. Yeah, and, uh, you just get to his his audience is very very engaged. A lot of people were were asking. People had some really interesting questions. That you could do, you do a reading selection from your book, so you can give them give them a nice little action spot, or you can give them a nice little exposition spot. It's a lot of a lot of nice yeah. spots in the book. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, I signed up. I'll, I'll be on there in January. He has a lot of. It's very dang. Good. Is he that far back now? Yeah. He's wow. Lets you, he lets you book through a link, so yeah, yeah. A lot of people. I mean, it's a really smart way to do it. Uh, yeah, um, that's. I gotta, I gotta put together a link. <laughs> That's a good idea. I might do that too. Uh, um, but yeah, well, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, evening, and um, I'll talk to you soon. I'll be live tonight with TJ from Ray Comics. Love TJ. Uh, awesome. I'll make sure to check that out. On on uh, on LCOA. So I'm excited. TJ is one of my good friends, so it'll be fun. TJ is awesome. All right, guys, that's going to be it for this one. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you in the next one. Like a lucky charm. Now I got to keep this shit a bucky ball. That's why they book it. I'm noble. I come with the gas, but I'm keeping it mobile. Whatever they said, cool. Take a toaster with you when you swim, motherfucker. That's dead cool.